Right. If you take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 7, as you're turning there, I would like to, uh, to thank you as a church family for all your prayers and your calls and your texts and your emails this past week. I know I'm behind in returning uh, a lot of those. And just to give you the story, uh, back in the first week of, of March, I was doing a squat workout and uh, seemed to go well and did some running with those Vibram five-finger shoes. Anybody know what those are? They kind of look like a glove and it freaks people out when they see you standing there and, you know, McDonald's or wherever it is. And so I did some running with that uh, afterwards. And the next morning I woke up and I had a searing pain going through my right hamstring. And uh, long story short, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, a couple, couple of weeks ago, I got up in the middle of the night and, uh, and I, I almost passed out completely in the bathroom. I remember thinking, Jeff, you gotta get control of yourself because if you hit your head on the toilet or on the bathroom, that is it. Come on, Jeff, you're 33. You can't go out like that. So, so I remember hitting, turning around, man, hitting the floor the other way, trying to, you know, hold it like that, do one of those Spider-Man push-ups where he falls down and he holds himself and, and getting just enough. I don't know how long I was out or if I was out for uh, for much, for that, that long. So I went into the room, kind of dove on the bed, broke out in a cold sweat, slept throughout the night. And uh, last Sunday morning after band practice, I did not go to Sunday school. I'm like a lot of y'all, you know. I, and uh, I actually went up there in the men's baptismal area and I laid down on my back and I just cried out. I said, Lord, you've got to help me uh, preach the sermon today and, and get through it. And uh, so I uh, was able able to do that. And on Monday morning, I, I texted Fred and I said, I'm not going to be able to meet today. And he finally said, you know what, we're going to put you uh, on the prayer list. And uh, by that was Monday morning. And I mean, it, it was absolutely uh, excruciating to the point of being debilitating. But I'll tell you what, Rocky Mount Baptist Church, by Monday afternoon, I had I had drugs delivered to my house. <laughs> And uh, we will not reveal the names of the guilty. I mean, it wasn't meth or crack or anything like that. You know, it was somebody else's prescription meds. And uh, and mom came up. And mom, you've been a lifesaver this week. I love my mama and I'm not ashamed who knows it. Um, I love you, mom. And, uh, and so she came up. And I tell you what, but I had an appointment to go see. Uh, it wasn't even an actual doctor this coming Wednesday, and I was like, I can't, I can't wait for it, but I'll tell you what, Rocky Mount Baptist Church knows I had drugs delivered to my house, and I had a real doctor's appointment set up in Roanoke the next day, so thank you, Fred and Sharon and Ashley, uh, for doing that, and also Ashley Dye, Ashley Oliver, for y'all's medical expertise, I know I've been asking you a lot of questions, um, and so I went into the doctor's office and I told him uh, the story and he says, something funky is going on. And you never, you know, it's one thing to play that funky music, white boy, but you never want to hear when you've had an, uh, a hamstring, you, at least you think so, uh, injury. And they, they wanted to do blood work and he said it could be a tumor, uh, something uh, in there. And so uh, we got an, an MRI two days later on Thursday of this week and the blood work came back. They said it was perfect and I felt so sorry for mom because one uh, My third brother Jordan he passed away from cancer several years ago So here and you go in they say it could be and it's just like all the all the energy just drains It just drains out of you, but uh, but the the MRI showed that there is a L4 or L5 um, and an S1 minor disc protrusion 
uh, down there. And so they gave me a cortisone or a steroid shot in my lower back on Friday. And it was so bad, it went into the doctor's office. And, you know, it's never never on time because they've got so much they have to do. And I said, I cannot stand up. i got to lie down. Mom said, you have a place where you can lie down? They said, no. I was like, well, I'll lie right here. And so just lying down in the doctor's office. And she said, do you have, do you have anything he can lie down on? They brought out a white sheet. And I guarantee you, five people came in for their checkups, and they probably just saw it and just walked out and went home. I'm good. I'm good. They drop them before the doctor even sees them. And so you go back, man. They're going to they're gonna give you a shot in your lower back. And, and I've, I've never, and y'all been so gracious, you provide uh, insurance for me. I, I haven't even had, and almost at the end of this month, I'll be here four years. I haven't even had a prescription filled. I just, the Lord's just blessed me with health. I, I enjoy being active and and hiking and basketball and softball and, you know, mixed martial arts, sparring, all that. So this is so new to me. And I'm, I'm just in there and, uh, and the doctor comes in just a sharp, sharp dress, sharp looking guy. And he explains, you know, I'm going to give you a shot into your spine. And, and then, then mom, she just, the preacher in her just came out. She said, well, you're, are your hands dedicated to God? <laughs> You have never in your life seen a patient turn the tables on a doctor. All of a sudden, Mr. Refine trying to respond. And he says, well, my hands are dedicated to God and my patients. And I'm like, Mom, don't preach at him now. He's going to give me a shot in my eyeball. Let him give the shot and then let him get under conviction. But uh, but that's provided uh, a lot of relief, so I'm able to be uh, straight up and, and standing. Um, but one of the things that the Lord has shown me so far, and I don't know what what's going to happen, whether it's a physical therapy or you know chiropractic, or I don't want to get surgery. Um, but that's that's what they need to do, and that's what we need to do to get it fixed. But one of the two things I want to say before we jump into the text this morning is number one, thank you so much. Uh, for all of your concern. I love y'all. Uh, usually, this has been different for me because usually, uh, when, when, you know, something happens in y'all's life, I try to be there. And if I'm not able to be there, cause I can't every time, we try to get somebody to be there. But it's, it's such a new thing when you're on the receiving end. You ever been there before in your life? It's like, man, I, I, I can't, I can't get up without, without excruciating pain but then when you have other people that are there and they just speak life uh, into and, and even miss sharon for telling me say jeff and i want to sell you out do not come to church on prayer meeting stay home you do not need to be here we'll do it and i needed to hear that because i was ready to go and so i'm going to try to stand for an hour but you guys prayed for me on wednesday night had like a, a share time just impromptu i mean that's a beautiful beautiful thing and something that the lord has also taught me through this um, I think with Jordan dying uh, in, in 2008, that created for really the first time in my life compassion um, for people who go through pain and lose somebody. But this has opened up for me, um, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian, a whole new level of having compassion for people who deal with chronic pain. I'm talking people like it, it doesn't matter what meds they give you. It doesn't matter what surgeries. It seems that you've got Two people or two realities that are always there with you. The Lord's with you and pain is there too and you can't shake it. So that's something that the Lord has done um, in my life. And also it's been a humbling experience. I mean, some of you guys that enjoy being active and stuff, man, it is a humbling thing when you get literally brought not to your knees, but when you're lying 
on your back. And let me share with you just a few scriptures that the Lord's used uh, in my life um, here recently. Psalm chapter 115 in verse 11. This is what my mom had shared with me. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Psalm 34 verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 119.77. Let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. And I hope that the Lord gives me a lot, many more years. No amens there. That's all right. That's all right. But, but one of the things I want to say, however long I have, and I know some of us, we were supposed to hang out this week and get together. Um, some of you, you recently saved. Some of you, you've known the Lord for a while. Whether Jeff Robinson has a heart attack tomorrow and dies, this is my last sermon that I ever preach. I want you to know that Jesus is a mighty Savior. He is. And if you've been thinking about giving your life to Christ, don't, don't wait. Don't wait. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen. Yes, there will be trials, tribulations. Yes, it will be a brand new life. But man, I'm telling you, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, we're going to look here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It's a beautiful text. It's like you give up the burden of your sin and your guilt and your baggage. And Jesus is the one who comes and he makes everything brand new. So I love y'all and just thank you for being the church family to me. So let's go to Matthew chapter 7 and we're going to read verses 7 through uh, verse number 11, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. And let's just go ahead and get to work here with the time that we have left. This is Jesus, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? And next week we're going to bring this to even a greater conclusion. And we'll read verse number 12 there. And Jesus says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We, a lot of times, will teach little kids that this is the what rule? The golden rule. And so when Jesus is teaching here about, about seeking and asking, pursuing God, knocking, wanting God to open up a door and answer requests, we're going to look at three keys that Jesus gives us on prayer. And notice there in verse number 7, he says, ask, seek, and knock. What Jesus is doing here is he is commanding us to persevere in prayer. This, in, in the original language, it's a continual sense. Jesus is saying, don't just ask once. Don't just seek one day. Don't just seek God one day. Don't just say, you know what, I'm going to pray to God for something great in my life on Sunday. Jesus says, let it be a continual part of your relationship with God. Marriage experts tell us that in a marriage relationship, sometimes what can happen is, uh, guys, once you have pursued and won your wife and she has said, yes, I will marry you, and you get married, what can happen is you can stop pursuing her. 
And so sometimes in a marriage, it can seem like, well, he seemed like he was all about me before he got me. But now that I'm his, it seems like he's like, been there, done that, we're a thing. You know, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. The marriage experts tell us in a healthy marriage, there's a continual pursuing both a continual trying to show that affection and show that love and give that verbal encouragement. In a similar way, Jesus saying in our relationship with God, he's saying, don't stop. Pursue God. Even sometimes when you're praying and it doesn't seem like the prayers get through. Have you ever been there? Have you walked through that chapter of life before? To where you're like, man, I'm praying for God to answer, but it doesn't, I don't know, it just seems like God may not even hear my cry. Jesus says, continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock on the door of God's heart. Now here's the question. What are we supposed to seek after? What are we supposed to ask for? Where are we going? Some people can read the Bible and they'll read it like this. They say, Jesus said, if I ask, if I seek, and if I knock, no matter what I'm asking for, Jesus has promised to give it to me. Now, very easily, we don't have to have been around the Bible for very long, but we've got a good idea that that's probably not what Jesus is telling us, right? To tell us that we can ask anything sinful or selfish, and it will happen. But here's where... Regardless if you've been around church very long, regardless if you've had difficulty reading in school, regardless if you are a Bible expert, this is where if you can open up the Word of God and read what becomes full, what comes before it, it helps. Let's go back to what we did last week. What is Jesus talking about here? Is this a blank check request or is he following with what he spoke about in the previous verses? This follows one of the most interesting verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse number 6, chapter 7. Go go there with me. Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. That's a little strange, right? Notice what what that's following. It follows where Jesus is talking in verses 1 through 5, where he says, If you have a log sticking out of your eye, but you try to go to someone and you try to take the speck out of their eye, he says that's hypocrisy. What he's talking about here, he's saying that how do you avoid in your life trying to not be guilty of gross hypocrisy and being that person that none of us like, you know that person, where they know what's wrong with everybody else, But they refuse to acknowledge their own baggage. Have you met one of those before? Come on. And here's the thing. No one is without sin. Everybody has a past. Everyone needs Christ. But what Jesus is referring to, he's saying, to be a follower of mine, you have to admit that there is something in your eye that is keeping you from being able to self-diagnose and help other people. And it's called sin. And we simply come to Christ and we give that to him. But here's the thing. How do you help people without being a hypocrite? How do you help people with what they have in their life without you coming across saying, oh, by the way. I'm awesome, and let me tell you how to be like me. Like, how do you do that? You ever thought about that? People that you know in your life, you're like, man, they are head, they are headed on a fast road to hell. I mean, he can't stop drinking. 
She and he, they can't stop screaming and fighting in the home. Like it just seems like it's, it's, it's on the fast track to destruction. But I know that God has put me here to be a help. But how do I be a help and not a hypocrite? Well, let's go back even further to verse 25 in chapter 6 where Jesus says, Don't be anxious about anything. Really? Really? Okay, time out. Jesus, you got your Bible or you got it on your iPhone. Um, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That's what he said. Anybody obeying, obeying that perfectly? Good job, Joseph. I mean, seriously, Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't worry. And you know what we say? Like, right on, Bible, it's God's word, speaks to me. It's true. But then what happens in the default of our regular everyday thinking processes? Where do our minds slip to if our minds are not actively focused on God's word? Worry. Right? If you've got any bearing of responsibility, worry, worry, worry. Let's go back a little, a few verses before that, where Jesus says in verse number 19, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, lay them up in heaven. How many of us have thought more this past week about laying up treasures in heaven, seeing people saved than our own financial well-being? How do you do that? This is, this is our favorite one that we've studied. Go back to verse 16 through 18, fasting. Y'all loved that sermon, didn't you? Like, yeah, man, I went to church. And what I learned is that one of the things that Jesus wants me to do to know him better is take certain times, yes, it's coming, and go without food. I know, we just had amens all over the room. And we love that, right? And then when we then when we go back to, to verse, uh, this the beginning of chapter 6, where Jesus talks about giving, we go back to what he teaches about divorce in chapter 5. And guys, how he tells us in chapter 5, that even if we look with lust, that's adultery. And then even if we're angry with someone, that's bringing us under the judgment of God. If you are reading all of what we've been studying these few months and you come to the conclusion, I can't hold up that much weight. I can't, I can't do that. There's no, there's no way. I mean, really? And, and, and to go back to, to our context where Jesus says, okay, okay, be there. To acknowledge the problems you have, a.k.a. the log sticking out of your own eye. Acknowledge that, but then be there to help people with the specs that they have. But don't do it with people who don't want to hear what you have to say. How do, how do you do that? Like, how, how do you know? I mean, you could just as easily pass over someone and you're like, you're a dog and you're a hog. I'm not going to tell you. But that's the person that God has brought into your life to hear the hard truths and they break and they give their life to Christ. Then it could be like, you know what? I'm going to unload my whole convoy of gospel knowledge, but it's a dog and a hog and it hits the fan and you've cast your pearls before swine. You say, this whole thing is so far above what I can do. And the high standard, highest point on the Sermon on the Mount is what we just looked at, what most of us deal with. It is the picking other people's. Please hear me. It is what all of us deal with to a certain degree to where we deal with picking other people's bones clean with the wire brush of hyper-criticism. And we can swagger around and we have that log of arrogance 
in our eye trying to pick out the speck of it really doesn't matter in everybody else's. And when we come to the feet of Jesus, we say, there's no way that I could be what he wants me to be. And guess what? That's the point. If you come away from the words of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, with something like, Jesus wants me to live a better life. Jesus wants me to just stop drinking a little less. Jesus just wants me to start going to church more. Jesus just wants me to start doing, doing, doing. You've gotten the wrong picture. It's been my fault to miscommunicate it or you've misunderstood it. But a correct understanding of the gospel, the first response we have, the proper response is to say, I can't do it. There's no way. Notice That's the step that all of us have to come to before we go back to verse 7. Before we will ever, what's the first word? Ask. You do not ask for what you already have. And if we think that we're fine, we won't ever ask for what we truly need from the one who we truly need most of all. And Jesus is saying, look, yes, the Sermon on the Mount is a standard so high. That you could never attain it. But the first reason why he gives us that. Is because he's saying. Verse 33 of chapter 6. He's saying but. What's the verb there? But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying. Everything is new with me. I'm giving you a kingdom. I'm not giving you a list of rules. I'm not giving you more burdens. I'm telling you. Everything becomes new. So the first step to becoming a follower of Jesus and being saved, becoming a true Christian, is understanding that we don't have what it takes. And those of us who Jesus Christ, and we look back and we say, Jesus saved me from a bunch of junk, we know how that felt, don't we? To where it seemed like no one else's sin existed except for ours. And all of that weight of our own sin Just put us at the feet of Jesus. Because we have to see a need before we'll ever ask. But here's where it begins to be beautiful. Where Jesus says, you ask. You seek. Because I'm commanding you. Be perseverant. Don't quit when you pray. You say, now Jeff, I'm I'm running from God. You may be like the U2 song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I mean, that, that's, that's your life first. That, that's you. You're running. You know, we have heroes in the Bible that are running from God. Moses ran from God. He did. He ran from God's plan. He ran all the way into the wilderness, became a shepherd for 40 years. That's running. Some of y'all, when you were a kid, you heard the story of Jonah and the fish. Big story is that God says there's this wicked city that I'm going to destroy. That's how bad they are. But Jonah, I want you to go there and I don't even want you to give them grace. Tell them 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. In other words, you guys have 40 days. But Jonah knew that God is merciful and Jonah said, no, I want them to die. God says, go inland. Guess where he goes? Virginia Beach to catch a boat. Transatlantic. In the middle, you know the story. God brings the storm. He says, throw me over. Listen, and I, I, this will probably irritate you, but if you're here this morning and you know that you're running from God, let me, let me be the first to say that God has big plans for you. He does. 
He, and here's the thing too. And this will frustrate students. Or maybe today you just give your life to Christ. He can run faster than you can. And he has more endurance than any of us ever can have combined. So here's the thing. Instead of continuing, continuing to run, continuing to run like the sniper motto, you can run, but you'll only die tired. Listen, why don't you just, why don't you just say, you know what? I've been running from God. There is no peace. I still have this burden. Why don't you turn to God and receive peace? And here's the thing. When you give your life to Christ, when you begin to ask and seek him for your family, for example, young parents, I mean, parenting, that's. We spent time with family last week to see little Micah and Hannah, my brother and sister-in-law. They've never raised kids before. I mean, I mean, when, those of you who are parents, when your child was born, did just magically out of the sky, did it appear how you teach a human being human language? Anybody? Did that happen? Like, did it, did it fall out? Here's how you keep your kid from, no! It's like you're just like, whoa! Whoa! Like this is my responsibility. Here's the thing. It's good. It's good to want to raise your children to follow Jesus. It's good to want to be a good, godly father and mother. Jesus says pray and seek and ask. So Jesus is saying persevere in prayer. Number two, Jesus is giving us a key. He promises us that prayer is not a game of hide and seek. Look at verse number eight. He says, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. If you seek him, you'll find him. Now, there are people in Jesus' day that struggle with what some of us struggle with, and we have a wrong understanding of who God is. You know, for some people who've not had a good father figure, they say, God is my father, therefore I could never trust my father. I don't know if I can trust God. Notice how Jesus, this, this is almost humorous, how he turns the tables and says, let me remind you of who we actually pray to. He says there in verse number nine, or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. Weird, weird stuff. If you then, now this is brilliant, if you're a philosopher, this is called a lesser to greater argument. Brilliant textbook. Jesus says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask of him? Jesus says, we're actually praying to the one who cares. Now think about it. A child comes and he says, Mom, Dad, I want something to eat. Probably no one in here would say, let me give you some rock. Right? Like it's just, it's not going to happen. You're not going to hand, and Angela, I think when you pulled the S-N-A-K-E out of the bag, even though it was still stuffed, I think everybody okay, no heart attacks. I mean, some people, man, snakes, no, snakes and kids, no. I remember we were, we lived in a broken arrow, Oklahoma for four years when I was a kid and it's snake, snake city. Snake City. And I remember being out, uh, we were, I was playing with my little brother Josh in the backyard, and we were coming up against the garden, and I looked, and I saw a snake. So being a good, responsible older brother, I got my little brother, and I, I just kind of dragged him up on the porch, and I told my mom, I said, there's a snake. And, and my mom, she's got dance moves when it comes to snakes. And I would love to show you, but I'd throw my back out even more. 
I think we had two or three shovels and she, she had two or three shots. And I remember she went and it was about to drop off about like this and got the drop, the shovel. And man, it, just off, off the porch there and just got the shovel and kind of threw it, dropped it. When she threw it, dropped it. Woo, woo, like that. Got another shovel, threw it down, trying to kill the snake. You don't want snakes around your kids. And you guys are like, right. <laughs> Teach us more. That's what Jesus is doing. I mean, can you imagine in that day and time? They, 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 did, they didn't have TV comedy. I mean, th- this is funny. This is an absurd argument that Jesus, he's like, look. This is so hilarious. You realize the entire premise of Jesus' example is totally insulting. What did he say? If you then who are what? If you're evil. He's like, by the way, every single one of you, you're evil. You're evil. You're evil. Your whole family's evil. You're evil. So let me give you an, let, let me tell you, let me tell you about how evil you are. But even in your evilness, you wouldn't give your kid a rock to eat or a snake to play with. So how much greater God who is not evil, God who is totally good and holy and just, how much more will he give good gifts to those who ask of him? And then Jesus is teaching on this same idea if you're taking notes in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. And he says the same words, but he follows it with a different phrase. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father, please catch this. This is the whole point of the sermon. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, the point of what Jesus is getting across is that what is truly good in life is what is truly good for us. And where all good begins is when we enter into a submission, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Where we give him control of our lives, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us so that he gives us wisdom to be able to speak life into people, to tell our friends and family hard truths without being an arrogant hypocrite and a jerk. He gives us the ability to trust him financially, to say, you know what, I can give to Jesus and his work, and I know that he'll take care of me. All of that begins with asking. Second Peter chapter 1 3, the Bible says his divine power is granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means paying the bills to heaven through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Listen to what Martin Lord Jones, incredible preacher said. He said, ask for any one of these things that is good for you, that is the salvation of your soul, anything, anything that brings you near to God and enlarges your life and is thoroughly good for you and he will give it to you. You see, when we see Jesus and all of his beauty, our asking and our seeking and our knocking is not just with accumulating stuff. But it is turned towards Jesus Christ. And guys, for us, our asking and our seeking turns into God. Would you make me a man of God? Would you help me to be the godly son 
to my parents to honor them? Would you help me that when I come home and it seems like a nuclear disaster has happened in my home and I just want to sit in my chair and all of the kids are fighting and she's had a tough day and I just want to go outside and chop wood for five hours, would you give me the patience, Lord Jesus, to sit down and love my children and love my wife? When you're a godly woman, what you seek for and ask for and knock upon the will of God's will, it's not just, you know, the, a nice outfit all, man, those, those things can be great. It's not just a vacation or, or, or making more money, but it becomes, God, would you make me into be a Proverbs 31 woman? Would you create in my heart a desire for you? Would you help me to, to show the qualities of Jesus? Would you help me to have the qualities of a godly wife and mother? If you're, if you're single lady, you say, God, would you help me in my singleness to use my time of singleness for you and not get desperate? And we're not making a joke there because what can happen sometimes is, is people say, you know, I've been single for so long. I just, I just need somebody. Then five years later, after the divorce is finished, they say, you know what? There are worse things than being single. The prayer and the cry of your heart changes. From saying, I want an MTV crib. I want the next ride. To I want to be like Jesus. And here's where we see, in a curious way, the gospel illustrated. You realize that when we come to that place of committing our lives to Jesus Christ, He takes that burden that we have been bearing and carrying, and it's been brutal. And when He takes that burden of our sin away from us, we feel so free. Amen, church. When Jesus forgives you or when you fail him after you've become one of his children, you've failed him. And you say, I can't believe I went back to what he saved me from. And you cry out and you experience the cleansing again. Guess what happens? When you have your burden taken by Jesus, he gives you a burden for other people. Because when you've been freed from slavery, you want other people to be slave, to be freed from slavery. And so our cry begins for clear eyes and pure hearts. So we can do his will. We'll close with the words of a song. It'd be great, Fred, to have the band do it sometime. And the words go like this. All I once held dear, built my life upon. All this world reveres and wars to own. All I thought, once thought gain, I have now counted loss. Spent and worthless now compared to this. What's the compared to this? Knowing you, Jesus... Knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, an all-surpassing gift of righteousness. Oh, to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you in your death, my Lord, so with you to live and never die. You see, confidence in prayer comes from knowing who God is. So if you think that God is there, but he doesn't care, you've been holding on to something, why don't you just today give it to God? Begin to ask him. Ask him. Seek for what you truly need. To be the man, the woman of God. Whether it's physical healing today. Seek that. Ask Him. If, it's, if God has been working on your heart and you know that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. 
We're going to give an invitation here in just a few moments. Whatever your commitment or your decision is, we're going to ask you to just come. Some of you just need to come pray for people in your life. He said they're, they're trying to eat rocks and play with snakes and they don't even know it. God has put you there to be a witness to them. If you need to come, give your life to Christ today. We encourage you to come.